So I actually see a lot of value. That's one of the reasons I, I wanted to do this stuff with DAO because I see a lot of value. I see a crypto community is getting like better with DAOs. There is no financial advice on this show. No, it's not a financial advice. None of this advice. is recommended to any listener whatsoever. Do exactly. not do what Nick did. <laughs> I'm glad you're you saying that. Welcome back, everybody, to the CityDAO pod, where we talk about network cities, the network state, the future of human civilization, and a ton of other related subjects. Now, the easiest way for you to support the show is to please just take five seconds of your time. Subscribe and like us, smash that like button and leave us a little one-liner review. It goes a really long way with the search algorithms and it's my only ask if you guys hear it today. So that would be really great. Now, as of this year, CityDAO, as you all know, is the very first to put real world physical land ownership into a DAO LLC and to put the governance of that land in our treasury on chain via NFTs. Now, the intention of CityDAO, as you all know as well, is to take steps towards a better functioning civilization for us all. So remember to join the discussions and follow us on Twitter. Your voice really matters. Your input is important. And without further ado, here with us on the show today is Arvin Kamsi. Arvin reached out to the CityDAO Twitter account a couple months ago. And uh, <laughs> sorry about that. I, I think we, we missed that initial DM a long time ago. When I finally found it, I replied back because uh, you were inviting us to join you on your Twitter space show called The Sold Out Secrets for a special DAO-focused episode that ultimately went quite well with over 400 people in the DAO space that were there. Now, I admit, Arvin, I do admit when I first saw the name Sold Out Secrets, my inclining was to say no. Because CityDAO doesn't do NFTs and sales and profit. That's just not what CityDAO is. CityDAO is focused on building a decentralized city of the future. It's not focused on NFT hype or any of that stuff. But I did show up out of curiosity and I was delightfully surprised. You successfully hosted and facilitated conversations between about a dozen different DAOs for over three hours. <laughs> and we could have easily gone on much longer. Somehow you kept that engaging for everyone. And like I said, there was like 400 something people. I don't know how many DAOs were present there. I know that at least like a dozen spoke. So yeah, there were at least 20 to 30,000 there. It's a big number. It's a big number. So, yeah. and, and it was very productive at the end of the day. It was respectful. It was a very diverse Twitter space, covered a lot of different topics about DAOs and fostered a positive sense of community. So maybe let's kick off with that one. Like what were your biggest takeaways from the two DAO spaces that we just did together? Yeah. So, I mean, the first one, when we did it at toward the end, I was like, mm. This needs more. Like, it's just, you know, we need another one for this, right? And so, and the next one, obviously, I actually went just dug deeper into just reading articles and seeing like what is actually happening in you guys' world. So as much, it's just like you, you were talking about. So I'm very much focused into the NFTs and NFT marketing. So there are projects that I come across and I come across a lot of projects as well that they talk about, they want to incorporate DAOs in some sense into their NFT project, right? So as maybe part of the utility or maybe they want to fund something or maybe it's investing or whatever that is, right? So sometimes like fractionalized NFT, sometimes just actually investing in certain things to give values to the communities. So I've come across it, but I've never actually like looked into it, just see, okay, what's the history? What's been happening in your world? Who is in there? How many DAOs are in there? And then, you know, I come to like realize it's 4,000 DAOs as of, I believe, April of 2022, they counted. And, you know, there are obviously different types of DAOs and so on and so forth. But what was really interesting to me was I was actually going through a lot of these DAOs and I'm just seeing, and it may just be me, but it just appeared to me that 
you guys don't get to like talk to each other as much. And I think it's partly because just you guys are just busy and like just doing your own stuff maybe. And so I thought, okay, it would be cool because initially it was just going to be maybe two, three DAOs on my show. And I thought like, you know, that's enough. We can just talk about it. But then I was like, this is very interesting. I kept asking people around myself. I'm just like, hey, do you know any more DAOs? Because already, we already have like 10. And then people would just introduce me to different DAOs and just say, hey, just have these guys on your show as well. And then at the end, we had something like 20, 30 different DAOs. And it's funny in the comments, someone was just saying, like, I'm here. There are no DAOs here. I was <laughs> just like, no, really. Like, there's <laughs> so many DAOs here. <laughs> there's so many DAOs. It's, it's just insane. Look harder. <laughs> I think that was my comment. <laughs> I actually know where they're from. They're from a publication. It's really funny. But so, so anyways, obviously, that was very eye-opening for me. But I learned a ton myself. Honestly, asking you guys questions is different than just going and reading some article about DAOs. Like, I was reading a lot of articles on Forbes. And they had a very myopic view. And when I looked at the authors, they usually had like one article about DAOs. So they didn't even know much about DAOs themselves, right? And then they would just probably just ask maybe one person or two people and just understand their point of view. And then they would write up an article because they have to get an article published. So it's very interesting to just say, okay, so, but is that true though, right? So there were some stats that I brought from these articles from Forbes. And this is not to say anything about Forbes specifically. It's just, I was just on Forbes, just looking for articles. But some stats that I would just bring it to you guys up to see, okay, so that's the stats. Those are studies that I've done. I think it was a study in Madrid, in Spain, right? In 2021. And I was like, okay, so this is the study. These are the numbers. And then what about you guys though? Like in real life, like what is it like? And then you were asking people also like other doubts, like what do you do? What do you have to get done by next week? Did you feel people cringe and avoid that topic? Like it was incredible. How many times do we have to ask the same question in order to get the answer? I'm curious on your take on that. So for people that are listening right now, the context is, so we got this Twitter space, there's 300 plus people on it and 20 to 30 DAOs that are there. And I asked the question, Arvin graciously made me the co-host there. and And I asked the question to the other DAOs that were present. I said, look, what are the actionable, concrete timelines and milestones that you're trying to accomplish in your DAO? And I asked it because, as you know, everyone here in the City DAO, we've got a lot of projects on the go, and there's a lot of things that happen. There's a lot of chiefs in the kitchen. Things happen, things change. You get excited about something. New information pops up. It gets delayed. It changes completely into something different. And that's a very natural, organic, positive thing. Yet at the same time, we got to get shit done, right? And if we're talking about a, a traditional C-Corp top-down, you've got an executive at the top. And obviously, we can make fun of the CEO of any corporation as a slave driver or, a, or just a hard-ass, uncaring, unfeeling, robotic android just trying to force people to do things that they don't want to do. We can, we can make fun of all that as much as we want, but there's also fantastic CEOs too. And the point is, you got someone who's held accountable to get shit done to their promises, and there's just no room for flex. If they fail, the company goes under or they get fired, right? That's how the real world works. And in DAOs, there's a inclining to be all kumbaya and handholding and just harmonious, wag me, LFG, yeah, excited, it's great to be a part of this community. But getting stuff done can sometimes be difficult when you got that many chiefs in a kitchen. And so out of curiosity to see how other DAOs were going, because you're totally right, by the way, us DAOs don't talk enough together openly. So you're totally right on that one. So I asked other DAOs, like, what are you trying to accomplish in the next two weeks? What has to get done? What is a concrete, must-be-finished, completed task in two weeks? 
And the first like three people that went up had no answers. They just completely avoided the subject. Like, yeah, getting stuff done is important. And I think that we should get stuff done. And, <laughs> and I think that we should all focus on the important stuff that needs to get done. And it's like, okay, great. But what are you doing? It was, I don't know. What, what was your take on that? Yeah. So obviously for me, I have, so at the same time as asking these questions, which I don't know what the question is going to be, right? So I don't know what you're going to say. And this is live, right? So I have to manage the conversation. Yeah, no pressure. No convers- pressure. Yeah, <laughs> I know, exactly. And then, so I have to stay to the topic by just making sure everyone, and I actually repeated your question a bunch of times because I even asked you to like repeat it because I knew it's going to happen, right? I knew people were just going to like just talk about their own stuff. And that's that's what it is. Like It's not even sometimes intentional. People just, when they're in a space, they're thinking about what they're going to say next and they don't listen, right? And so... Sometimes that happens too. Now, at the same time, I also have my team on Slack and also actually at the office. They're just like flagging me down, just telling me like this person DM, they've been like wanting to speak for like 10 minutes. They need to go, right? And then this other person saying, what about this topic? Why don't you guys talk about this other topic at all? And it's like, okay, well, sure, we'll bring it up. You know, so there's like a lot happening. So at the same time, and then I don't know, I just, so you, you asked the question. And obviously, like people were just saying all these things, but without actually answering the question. So then at that point, to me, it's like, I was actually didn't know what to do with this. So I was like, okay, maybe these guys don't have an answer. That's kind of really awkward me if me just pressing on it, right? But I was like, okay, let's just go a little bit at least, like see what happens. So obviously, I was just like, hey, but can you answer? Like you said it, and then I said it afterwards. I was like, hey, just can you guys actually stick to the topic? And also just what made me think about at the same time too, I was like, okay, it makes sense. I think about my own company and I have to like every day with everyone that works with me, give them the roles and then what we're focused on, so on and so forth, right? So we have like monday.com and then we distribute the roles, so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, I'm the founder of CEO, so I'm, I have to lead, right? But then I just thought about it. I was like, okay, but what are you guys doing? Like, how does it actually things get done, right? So that's actually a really cool question. And then as you were asking, I think the first three people, they were just saying things without actually answering, which made me think, I was like, I wonder if these guys actually don't know what there is to be done, you know, in their DAO, which is interesting, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's very insightful because like, it could be possible. Maybe there's certain things that they're focused on personally, but as a community, they don't know where they're going. So it's like the mission is missing, right? So people are not clear. Or maybe they are, but then I was like, okay, why are they not sharing it? Like what could have been possibly be in their agenda that cannot be public, like on a Twitter space? So quite honestly, I was going through all of that too. Like I was just trying to figure out like, okay, why are they not saying it? But I think at the end of the day, after a while, I think after a few minutes, I think one or two of them started actually talking about a little bit more specifically saying, don't want to name them, but I think one of them was just saying about like how certain activities, right? So like, I think it was meeting some new people and then just like distributing like food, distributing, I think it was like some cooking activities, some meetups that was going to happen and so on and so forth. So those are like actual concrete things. And now granted, like, I think, I don't know for a fact, but I think that DAO is like the number of people is not that many. So I think that contributes to it too, like how they scale by which they have to go with as far as their activities. So it just, I, I suppose, makes it easier for people to know what's happening versus if your DAO is like, you know, you have like 1 million people and then you're one of those people and you're like, I don't know, I was not on a call like last week. Maybe they're doing some cool stuff this week that I don't know about, right? So it made me think about all of that. And yeah, so it's just, 
obviously very insightful, very insightful. I actually wanted, even like in this bonus episode, I actually wanted a lot more of those, like real stuff. What is actually yeah. happening? Yeah, you know? yeah. Let's break it down and make it concrete. I think it was Kiftdal, if I remember correctly. I don't mind naming them because to my understanding, they're in the network state realm to some degree and we had great chats with them. So I'm going to try and lure them onto the pod here for a conversation as well. See if I can bait them into it and dive a little deeper for the same reason that you did the show. Because to me, I think network state related ventures need to speak together a lot more. Afropolitan just did their big mint and their big launch. This is a big thing that probably most people outside of Afropolitan don't even know about. And that's just money they're trying to raise to do the stuff they're trying to do. And Kiftow as well. I don't know anything about them, but they seem to be a very active community in the network state space. So we need to work together. So we're probably going to do, and I guess anyone, anyone listening here, we're going to be organizing a Twitter space specifically for network state related ventures. There's about 20 or so off the top of my head that I can think of. And we're going to try and create a pulse, monthly pulse. Once a month, I think we were thinking about doing the first Wednesday of every month. So that would be the first Wednesday of January. I think it's the fourth or something. And yeah, we're going we're gonna to do this, this monthly recurring Twitter space specifically on network state related ventures to get us all talking more. And Arvin, I really appreciated that from your space. You did a great job with it. Now, just out of curiosity, just a quick little couple statistics. How many shows do you organize on a monthly? Is it mostly about NFTs? How many more DAO ones do you think are coming up? I know that you're handing off some of the co-host responsibilities to other people in the DAO shows. I think I'll be doing one. But yeah, like how many shows you're doing and, and what does that look like? And your biggest one too. I want to hear your biggest one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. So we've been doing once a week. And now, granted, I have an incubator. And so everyone in my incubator almost starting to have their own shows once a week as well. So technically, I'm doing a lot of shows because all of these shows, like I structure them and then also I help them with promotions. I help them how to actually manage it because what people don't understand, and I, this is actually very, I think, insightful for me. I've been on a lot of spaces before, but then, you know, and sometimes you like, you go on a space and you have all these thoughts, right? So you're just like, oh, the host wasn't listening to what this person said or like the host doesn't pick this person why didn't do this why did they do that but like in reality it's actually a lot there's a lot going on for the host to actually have lots of people on the space live and then also just you know being able to manage everything and then even at the end of that people just some people are going to be happy some people are going to be like i didn't like it so it's okay right go ahead well no, I, was, i was gonna say just for fun Give me a 60-second critique. I know that you were just listening to the space that CityDAO hosted yesterday about the town project. And uh, I don't know how far into it you got, but I was hosting it. It was for the town project. We did a lot of details around it. It's very early in its starting days for the project. And just focus on what, it, what could have been better. My ego is too big already. It doesn't need any inflating. They'll tell me how great it was. <laughs> tell me what like, could have been better. What was the bad stuff about it that I can learn from? Of course, you didn't have me on that show. So that's <laughs> a critique right there. <laughs> So, I mean, so I was listening, I think one thing that I, mean, I just listened to maybe like a two minutes or so, but one thing I look for and I try to do it on my own show, sometimes it's hard and it's weird that it's hard, but it's actually having people that have differing opinions, different views. For example, I hosted some time ago, I hosted one space. It was between Bitcoin maxis and NFT enthusiasts. Oh man, you are a brave, brave man, Arvin. <laughs> I did not know yeah. that you were that brave because yeah, so, that is just one line of fire that I would not willingly put myself in the middle of. 
<laughs> so, so just just so for context, like for audience to know, so there's a mute all button. I was just pressing that every five seconds. Like, <laughs> okay, muting all. Okay, you guys, like, you gotta actually raise your hand and then not shout and like don't curse, don't be disrespectful. What, what, you're trying to give rules to Maxis. You're trying to. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was it was it was hilarious. Good it luck. Was hilarious. Yeah, and then the influencers showed up. It was crazy. People were like yelling at each other. And I just continuously had to like stop things. But what's funny is that you don't want it obviously that far. But I think if you have some people who are actually like not agreeing with each other all the time, that makes your show a lot cooler to listen to. But then again, I just listened to two minutes. So I don't know, maybe you guys were actually disagreeing things. But on that two minutes, everyone was just like, yes, yes, no. Any. <laughs> well, that's a good <laughs> point. I mean, yeah. And then the nature of that particular space was, of course, to talk about how to bring the town project to a successful outcome and how to take positive steps on it. So it wasn't really like a debating topic. It was more like a, hey, this is happening and who wants to talk about it? And and here's the roadmap and here's what we've done so far and information dumping, you could say. Of course. Plus, maybe you guys also met for the first time on that space. So like sometimes people on the first space, they don't go hard on each other. Just, you know. Yeah. A lot of people that didn't know what town was were there for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Cool. I didn't want to steal the spotlight there. I just thought it would be fun if you critiqued no, of my own work in City Dow. <laughs> now, to my understanding, I mean, you have an incubator, you help people with their projects and building community. And what are some of, if you don't mind giving a highlight, like high level, because I know a lot of people that are trying to run spaces and even myself, sometimes I run a space because I, I mean, this is new for me. I only started doing spaces a few months ago and a couple that I hosted had literally zero people, right? And obviously I host a lot of spaces for CityDAO. I'm also an entrepreneur and, and you know have another company. So I was like, hey, let's just throw a space up about this topic. I'm not going to talk about it now because it's irrelevant, but threw it up and there was zero. No one showed up, right? And I was like, well, well, why not? I mean, here I am. Why doesn't everyone want to come talk to me? <laughs> and I know it doesn't work that way, but, and then of course we, we've done spaces that have had hundreds of people now, and it's been an evolution to see that. In your own words, how would you summarize a high-level, whatever, five-point checklist or whatever it is for people that are looking to start their own space that they should do? Yeah. So I think everyone's going to come up with their own process, but I tell you, I just came up with a process for my first episode. And then as I'm going through the spaces, I'm basically adjusting it like every week. So I tell you like a few things I'm doing. I have uh, monday.com and on monday.com, I have a pre-show, during the show, and then post-show section. It's all in one board. And then pre-show, obviously, there's a lot of focus into promotion, right? So who do we reach out to? How do we get speakers? How do we get cool people? But then at the end of the day, like we also want to have people who have differing opinions too. Like we don't want everyone just be nodding for the whole thing. Like, yes, man, right? So that's that's one thing. And then the second part is during the show. So during the show, I would say the intention of that is how do you actually lead the conversation? So obviously, I need to know about the subject, right? And I need to have something ready. But also, when it comes to like people just understanding, okay, who's going to be there? And then what are they going to talk about? What is the possible point of view? And then at the end of the day, sometimes just random people show up, like you don't know like what they do, right? So there's a lot going on actually people managing my DMs because I can't do that at the same time as talking, right? It's just a lot. There's a lot of DMs that's just going through. And so when do you give a spot to someone to speak? And then you can only give spots to 10 people, right? And then let's say in my situation it happened several times where we had what, like 20, 30 people who want requested to speak, right? And then and sometimes when you bring people down, like as a, like when you give away their spot, 
like we had someone just dm me like right after like i gave their spot to someone else they were like what did i do i was just like, commenting in your thing i was actually just participating in the comment section with people that's why she didn't raise her hand and then i just gave her a spot to someone else and she thought i actually like per- there's something personal right so i don't maybe i don't like her or something right so during the show how to manage all these things is just obviously very important and then post show I created also a bunch of checklists for myself. It's like, okay, so let's go chat with all the speakers and then see what are some things we can do. If there's synergies, if there's anything, like let's say articles, we can get on podcasts, different things, right? So that's obviously important. But also like for myself and my team, we spend about an hour. First of all, if we hit our goals, as far as like number of people and just the quality of the show is good, we're just gonna maybe go out for an hour or so, just have a good time. And by the way, at this time, it would be like midnight our time when the show is done. So we just, you know, maybe like just go to some restaurant or something. But for ourselves, just kind of celebrate that and then go through and naturally it will come up. People in my team, they would say, oh, did you notice there were some people saying X, Y, Z? It's like, oh, okay, cool. So like, how do we solve it, right? So every episode, we actually come up with things that we're like, okay, we need to solve it. Like second episode, we had this trouble where we were sending Google Calendar invites to people to essentially book into the calendar. But then I think one of the emails that we used had email deliverability issues and then people weren't getting it, right? So some of these people, they're just going to book it. They're going to book something else in their time. It's like 9 a.m., right? So it was 12 p.m. EST. And then so people would just book it with different things. So when that wasn't working, I spent maybe a day or two just talking to like techie people and just say, hey, how can we fix it? Is there any other way we could create it? So now we just created a form, right? So now people actually, once they enter the information, they automatically get the Google Calendar invite, things like that, right? So there's a technology automation side of things, but there's also just, okay, quality of conversation. Is it good, right? And I learned myself too. Like I'm like, oh, over there, I was just also agreeing to people too much. That wasn't good. Like I need to actually maybe probe harder, right? So those are some of the, I guess, high level, what it looks like. But on the actual, like on the court, there's a lot actually going on. Okay. And thanks for that, by the way. I appreciate it. And anyone listening, by the way, you can find a URL to chat with Arvin at any time on the show notes to this episode. So if you want to chat with him or reach out to him, his Twitter is going to be there. His website is going to be there. And you can reach out anytime. Now, one of the things that I really did appreciate about being on your show was, because I, I put you to the test, by the way, you might not realize that, but right away in the first show that we did, I put it on you to talk about hype versus value, about deliverables versus excitement, and about price discussions and all this stuff versus actually building. And you had the right answers. Like To my understanding, you were leaning away from hype and all this kind of stuff. And it set a foundation for me to like want to chat with you a little bit more. And, and obviously, that's where it all started. And so. With that as a background, a context, I wondered if we can dive into some maybe a little more spicy topics here, right? Because NFTs, they're new. Okay, great. People love them. There's some great projects out there. It's super cool. CityDAO uses them for voting. That's great. All that stuff is good. There's also an enormous amount of harm that's happened to people and the industry. I mean, you just take a lot of people and you get the industry, same thing. There's so much harm that's come to people buying into NFT projects for the wrong reasons and the wrong projects with no real regard to what's actually going on, just fully emotionally driven. And this is in my mind, you know, I remember when I discovered Bitcoin, it was 2017. And back then, the vast majority of people in my circles anyways, and people that I went around and talked to, they didn't know what Bitcoin was. They were curious. They're like, what is this thing? What is that? I don't understand. That's gone now. 
it's so rare for me to bump into someone that doesn't have their own opinion of what Bitcoin is. And what makes me sad and what makes the maximalists angry, and I agree and resonate with them in the vast majority of circumstances on it, is that Bitcoin right now is known to people and crypto is known to people in many ways as a scam place. This is where you go to lose money. This is where Ponzi schemes are. This is where you blow away your life savings and end up with a JPEG. And so we've gone from this phase in 2017 of crypto curious into what I call crypto haters. And those curious people have now turned into haters. And nine times out of 10, when I'm talking to the crypto haters, they don't even know what Bitcoin is about, what blockchain is about. They don't know anything about the foundations of this entire, maybe I won't call it revolution, but maybe I will. (laughs) And so it's an educational experience. So about the topic of NFTs, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, first of all, do you agree with what I said? Do you think there's a problem there? And how do we move into a solution? Yeah, I disagree with everything you said. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so <laughs> it's good. No, I was like, I mean, like end I, recording. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's funny. So, I mean, this is great. I actually, I learned about Bitcoin 2016 from a good friend of mine, Nick. And the way I learned it, he sold everything he had, like including his car. He was a nine to five, you know, and then he sold everything he had, like all his saving, everything went to Bitcoin. There is no financial advice on this show. No, it's not a financial None of this advice. is recommended to any listener whatsoever. Do exactly. not do what Nick did. <laughs> I'm, glad you, I'm glad you're saying that. So that's how I learned about it. But then I didn't do much with it. So I was just kind of maybe like reading about it, maybe a little bit here and there, but I didn't get involved. Like honestly, until like a few years later, I called him and I was like, oh, so Nick, how's life? How's work? And he goes, what work? I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, he's just like traveling around the world, just not working. And that left an impression on me, right? So I just thought, you know, I had that opportunity. I didn't really capture that opportunity, right? So then fast forward to 2021, at this time, I'm just working with public companies and just doing the investor relationship marketing. So I know a lot about like how to find investors, short-term, long-term investors online, just create a deck, things like that. And then, so some artist one-on-one collection, NFT collection, he came to me and he's like, can you just use ads and then sell out this collection? So I did. And then that was my moment. So this is, this is the reason I'm, I'm telling you this is just because that was the, my moment where I actually got fully into crypto. So it was the NFTs that got me into cryptos. It wasn't cryptos that got me into NFTs. Right? And I actually know a lot of people, so just personally. So about 5% of human, I guess, population, it knows about cryptocurrencies. And then very, 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 very small portion of that knows about NFTs. So it's an echo chamber. But as of last year, 2021, like no, I would say even like November, searching queries for NFTs actually surpassed cryptocurrency. So what that did, so obviously there was a lot of FOMO buying and just, you know, people are now jaded and people trusted everyone with all these promises, empty promises that just never happened, all that stuff. But what that did though, it brought a lot of people to crypto. So that's what I'm happy about, growing the crypto community. Like that is a big deal for me. And so to me, that worked well over there, but obviously all these scams and like people with... You know, we were like back in November. I I mean, I told you, like, let's just get specific. There were projects on the roadmap. They would write maybe five words total. No white paper, nothing, right? They would just say, we're going to be in the metaverse. There's going to be staking. And then people would just rush into buying. Like we would sell out in like six minutes, right? 
now some of these projects not delivering on their stuff right now or even if they want to deliver they can't deliver because they've gone to zero right so they, they just lost all their money all that stuff and so it's not as simple as like everyone scammed neither there were a lot of people i'm sure there were bad actors but there were a lot of people that really had good intentions but they had very poor business skills mismanagement was just very prevalent and so what happened was these guys just unintentionally, not to justify what they've done, but in a sense, unintentionally rock people, right? And then that just left all of us just being just jaded, so way more sophisticated buyers to the point where when Reddit wanted to launch their NFTs and even like Trump, if you see like how he's launching his NFT, he's not saying NFTs, he's saying collectibles, right? Because the word NFT just got such a bad rep that we can't use it anymore. But that's the thing is that People also don't know what NFTs are. I have to, like, people ask me, right? So I travel different countries and talking about NFT marketing, especially. And then when I go, like, let's say taxi driver or like someone's asking me, so what is it you do? I tell them about NFTs. They don't know anything. And then I say, like, do you know what Bitcoin is? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, it's something to do with Bitcoin, <laughs> right? And that's as far as they know, right? So like cryptocurrency. Of course, NFTs, we don't have NFTs on Bitcoin, I don't think. I think maybe one collection, right? So we don't have it. But yeah, so that's how it goes, right? So there's obviously there's a lot of projects out there not delivering as they should. But I would say that was kind of up until March of this year. Since March of this year, 2022, we've gone through a massive cleansing. So I'm on the side of actually receiving all these projects to come to me to actually want them to be incubated and just sell out too, right? So I don't see those projects that have empty promises as much, which is great. Like I actually prefer, you know what I mean? So it's actually easier for me to work with people who have real things because then they're just going to be different versus let's say up until maybe even March of this year, everyone was almost doing the same thing. Like the call to actions for everything they were doing as far as marketing was just like join our Discord and then 30% of those people would buy their NFTs and that was it. And so at some point, Imagine 150,000 collection on Ethereum. They were all just saying, join our Discord, join our Discord, which led to some collection like Goblin Town, where they're like, we don't have a Discord. We don't have a roadmap. If you just want to buy it, just buy it, right? So that's like the evolution like NFTs gone through. So I'm obviously big. So if is it good or bad? I, I still say there's a lot of use cases for NFTs as far as storing data. Let's say, I think even when it comes to whether it be like health information or let's say in a logistic industry. So meaning like when they do, like when they want to timestamp things or maybe in the fashion industry, they want to make sure something is authentic. So there's certain things that you can solve with NFTs that you may not be able to solve without NFTs. So even like, for example, ticketing, so counterfeit tickets, right? So sometimes people tell me, they're like, oh, but you could do that with an app, right? But we haven't done it. So maybe that's why, like that's what we need NFTs, right? So yes, I, I'm a big fan of NFTs. I still have them. A lot of them gone to zero, of course, but I still have a lot of them. I just kept them, kept a lot of NFTs for myself. I don't know if people are going to have a better impression of it, but I can for sure see like, you know, now we have Porsche. Obviously, Trump just came up with his own NFT collection. I think his wife actually attempted that some time ago. Didn't go really well. And then a lot of celebrities tried it out. Like Red Bull actually did this with Tezos. And then once they finished their, I guess, NFT collection, then they just cut ties with Tezos. 
Reddit, social media platforms did it. So you see a lot of companies, I actually get public companies coming to my incubator sometimes that they want to launch NFT collections, right? It's weird. I see like Starbucks, all these big companies getting into this, but we don't have a bull run. Like if people are still just saying like, oh, it's still bear market, NFTs are still new, no one knows about them, even though all these big companies getting into it. So I'm a, I guess, proponent of NFTs. I, I'm for NFTs. I say like they should be there. I um, also think we should have better, more trained people in charge of launching NFTs. I would say that. Do you have a, a vision on what NFTs might look like in, I'm not going to say 2023 because that's not a long enough timeline. I don't think it's still winter time. Maybe 2024, 25, maybe 2025 is a good time. And the context here is, you know, DAOs, similar to NFTs, DAOs are very new in its concepts in its infancy and receives a lot of the similar type of criticism from, let's say, maximalists, for example, that NFTs get as well. And one of the reasons I've latched on to CityDAO is specifically because it's focused on building. That's what it does. There's no price stuff. There's nothing in there for profiting. It's literally just a group of people trying to do positive things for our entire civilization in governance and land ownership. And that really interests me and excites me. And that's why I'm here. And that being said, I do recognize probably the vast majority, it's fair to say, of DAOs. And I, I know you said 4,000 earlier. You know, Some of the stats I've seen is more like 10,000 plus. But there's a lot of different definitions, right? There's like a legally registered and incorporated DAO versus a group of people that are calling themselves a DAO versus people that use snapshot. Because if you pull data on how many snapshot organizations exist and how much voting happens on them, is that a stat that we should look at? Because if they're voting with NFTs on Snapchat, does that make them a DAO even if they're not calling themselves a DAO? I'd say that there's more like 10 to 20,000 types of groups that are behaving, at least behaving somewhat like a DAO. But then you can easily shave off 75% of them because it's the same thing. A DAO, DAO, Decentralized Autonomous Organization, on a scale of a 1 to 100, and you look at every DAO out there, we just take one DAO, for example, it doesn't matter what it is, look at one DAO and ask yourself, on a scale of 1 to 100, how decentralized is it truly? And then on a scale of 1 to 100, how autonomous is it truly? First of all, is it even organized? And if it is, how organized is it in terms of being an organization on a scale of 1 to 100 truly? So to me, is the phrase DAO, like to me, a DAO is an aspirational statement. It's not something that 99.99% of DAOs have actually achieved yet. It's something that we're aspiring towards. And even the phrase DAO is starting to encompass more than just decentralized autonomous organization. It's starting to represent the word community in a way, or empowerment. It's starting to add those words into the mix. So is the acronym DAO, I mean, going to exist in the next bull run? I think it's a 50-50 chance. I don't know that the phrase DAO is, or the, the acronym of DAO is going to exist. That's interesting. And yeah. same with NFTs, like you're saying, people are shifting towards collectibles. Yeah. So what I mean, are they NFTs? Change the name. Yeah. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah. still NFTs, right? But that's actually a really interesting point. So since the bear market started, maybe let's say March 2022, well, at least this bear market, we've had multiples. But I seen a lot of people close shops, right? Like they were influencing or like they maybe even like marketing agencies. Literally, I've seen like big, big marketing agencies in crypto. Now they're doing, in addition to crypto, they're also doing maybe let's say e-commerce and they're also doing like other things, right? Because they can't make money. Let's just be honest, right? So we've been full-time like into this throughout the whole thing. We haven't ever like changed anything. But I thought about it like the other day, I was just looking at my username, right? So it's ArvinKNFT on Twitter. And I just thought about it. I was like, okay, well, what if everyone just stops talking about NFTs and then I'm just stuck with NFTs, right? So that's my name on Twitter. 
And then I just thought about it. I was like, would I go change my name on like all socials or like would I keep it? What's my stance on it? So these are like real things happens, right? So we all got to go through these things, right? And so like, I guess same thing with DAOs too, right? So like you guys called it, you know, uh, DAO, right? As it, of course, it should imply it's a DAO. And then so like, well, what if DAO all of a sudden gets like a really bad rep, right? For example, 2016, there was like a huge hack, right? So that wasn't a really fun time to be a DAO, right? And then now it's like cool, right? So I was just like looking even like City DAO, you guys had the TED Talk and that's just getting obviously a lot of impression, a lot of people looking at it and people just like very happy, like, you know, comments positive and everything, right? So it's just like market sentiment is different. And so, yeah, I've literally thought about it and I thought about implications. It's like, okay, so what will happen if I do that? What will people think? What will happen if I do that? Like as far as my business, all those stuff, right? So do we know like what's going to happen? No. Here's the reason I'm so maybe optimistic, if that's the right word, with NFTs. So when I was a kid, like I was maybe six, I was trading cards, like soccer cards. And I was playing with people, even like buying and selling cards, like soccer cards. And we would play sometimes games. And then if you would win the game, you would basically take your friend's soccer cards and you own them, right? So it was just like a really valuable thing. So to me, that concept, it's still just, to me, that's just going to stay like collectibles and that concept, you can't just make it go away and vanish. So that's, I think that's partly why I just never even bear market, bull market. Like I get sad sometimes, you know, it's depressing sometimes like what people say and like what the current market is so on and so forth. But then I've just never actually had it that, oh, it will go away. I always thought like it will stay. It may change names like many times, but it will stay. That's been my impression. What is your definition of a quality NFT collection? Yeah, so it's a really good question. I want to hear the full story, but I'm also curious yeah. about if you have like the condensed version too. What is a quality NFT collection? Right now, right now, if it's a product market fit first, then a community. I would say that's a good collection. And so what, what does a good product market fit look like? Yeah, it's usually the other way around. People just keep building and this is what they come to me, right? So they say, I want to build my socials. How can you grow my Twitter to like 100,000 people? I'm like, what are you going to do with those people? And they don't know, right? Or like, okay, but why do they need to follow you? No idea. What do you have on your Twitter or on your Discord that people need to come? Aren't you going to just say the exact same thing everyone else saying? And it's like, yeah, but like we need to build it, right? And then so they come to like maybe people who are just like maybe buying and selling followers and they buy like even chatters on Discord, all sorts of weird things. Because they just, there's no reason. They know it themselves. Like they, there's no reason for people to follow them. There's just nothing new about a lot of these collections, right? Now that's changing, I, I think. But yeah, so to answer your question, so what is a product market fit? I think if they come on and say, hey, we have either a really good narrative that is new, completely new, right? Like we understand the market really well, like Goblin Town, for example, right? We understand the market really well. And then we're going to create a narrative and we're going to stick to our brand. And if you just like it, just follow us and buy everything from us and all that. Or I actually am coming with a collection that's actually going to solve a real life problem. And real life problem doesn't have to be a technical problem. It could just be like, okay, I can't maybe meet some celebrity. And then because of the NFT, I get to meet them. Cool. That problem solved for me. Like that's good enough. Right? Or like maybe I get to travel with people my age to like some country that I would never travel on my own. 
and because of your NFT, I would, because maybe it's cheaper or maybe it's more exciting because it's with the community, so on and so forth, right? So you just solve the problem that actually existed for me and now I buy into it. So now once that happens, once that actually is established, then if you build a community around it and now you have a branding, you have a narrative, then that's really good. But then it obviously goes more than that, right? So are you going to consistently deliver? Because a lot of times also they just deliver for six months and then they get tired of it. Literally, they come to me and they're like, uh, we just want to sell it now. We want to open up a new collection because then we can get paid again, right? Because that's that's what it is. Like If it's gone to zero, they're not making any money, right? So they're just delivering on a daily basis without making money. So, so this is a good segue and that's all interesting stuff. And ultimately, there has to be a value, like a use case. There has to be some sort of use case for the NFT that's real and tangible. Otherwise, what is it? Now, using what you just said as a segue, where you said, you know, these projects are running out of money, Vitalik put a tweet out a while ago, I can't remember exactly when, and it said something to the effect of harbinger taxes would be good for NFTs. Well, what's harbinger taxes? Well, harbinger taxes is basically a, a self-assessed value of what the NFT is. doesn't matter what the market is. You have your own self-assessed. And every NFT that you would own would always be for sale, even if you don't want it to be for sale, at the self-assessed value. So you could say, oh, well, if you don't want to sell it, just put the price really high. But then there's also a tax. And let's say it's a, I don't know, for simple math, let's say there's a 10% annual tax and it's paid out in a live stream by the second type of basis. So if you do put your self-assessed value really, really high, then your tax payments are also going to be very, very high on it. So you don't want to go too high. But if you go too low, then you end up with you buy an NFT and someone buys it right under, under you and it's just gone. Each person has to really identify what is it worth to them and assess a value that represents that amount and then pay taxes related to whatever that is. Now, the taxes can be 1%, it doesn't matter what it is. There's like a hundred variables in there that, that can happen. But the point is, if there was something like that, there's a thought out there by Vitalik and other people that this would provide a, a style of revenue for the collection, for the community, you could say for the community to go building and doing other cool stuff with it. Because if no one's buying or selling and the price is at zero, then there's no royalties to make, there's no money, everything's gone. Even if the price is really low for the NFTs, if there's a self-assessed tax, then there is money in the community treasury that can be used to build. Also, oh, the tax goes to the actual collection. It goes to the collection. And then the intention, of course, would be that that money would only be used to build things related to the collection. So if we're talking about a DAO, if a DAO owns an NFT, or even just doesn't matter, doesn't even have to be a DAO, just say an NFT collection, that voting could be done with those NFTs on what to do with the collective treasury that the NFT collection has. And so I'm really exploring that topic a lot. And there's a number of people that have written a lot of articles around it. And what do you think about that tweet though by Vitalik that just very plainly says harbinger taxes would be good for NFTs? What are your thoughts? Yeah, so that's cool. I mean, I think that's definitely valuable. And that's actually against the recent I guess, evolution in the NFT market, which is essentially even marketplaces looking to remove royalties. So a bunch of collections did that already and no one likes it. And I honestly don't like it. I completely disagree with that concept of like removing royalties. To me, first of all, a lot of these collections, that's the only way they make money because they don't have any other source of income. So that you already basically just took that away from them. But also, so in the case of artists selling art, that's the whole point for them to just get these royalties because that's really the use case for artists is like my art right now is a dollar. Later on, maybe if it's a million dollar and then you already bought it for a dollar, I should still be credited that much money as a royalty because it's my art. 
right? So it's good for artists. So then we maybe like getting away from that like starving artist notion. So that's cool. So that's why I don't like the like removing royalties. I actually, yeah, I would go on that side. I would say, yes, not only removing royalties is not good. I would say, yes, let's just add more to it too. But then uh, not like giving it obviously to OpenSea or some marketplace, obviously. It has to go to the treasury. But then the problem is with these NFT collections, the small ones, they don't know how to manage money. And then sometimes these projects, like I've seen a lot of these projects, obviously. So sometimes these guys, they don't have like $10,000. That's why they start hiding from the community. We're not talking like millions of dollars. Like obviously like SBF is in like billions, right? A billions like negative. NFT collections, some of these guys, they're like 10,000 literally down. And then they just close shop, run away, close their Twitter, everything. And it's just because these guys just never done business in their life. They don't know like, okay, you can actually go figure it out. You can go sell something. You can create a product or a service. Even just go borrow money and just pay it back in some time to your community. So I think I agree. I would say it's pretty good idea to have that tax and then have a treasury. And then just hopefully they just know how to manage it because that's like a big problem I see in the NFT collections. They don't have a business plan. A lot of these guys have no business plan. They just come in. They're like, we just want to sell out. Like literally, that's what they say. Get rich quick immediately. Boom. Yeah. LFG. Do you have to teach a lot of business in your incubator? Oh, that's literally, yeah. Like I would say that. And then also like, I think sometimes it's also therapy sessions. <laughs> like people just come in, they're like, oh, market is this, market is that. And I'm like, well, okay, well, what are you going to do about it? You know what I mean? So that's just people, again, like I think people don't have that business acumen. So when something external is happening, then they just immediately just fold versus like, okay, if you've actually looked at the market, crypto has been dead three times it's just not the first time and so you would know what to do right you would know okay like it's gonna be okay you're gonna be fine but people freak out because this is like the first time but it's also the first time you know made a million dollar in four weeks and that's also really cool too but then on the downside they don't know what how to handle it they don't know what to do well arvin uh, i really appreciated this chat it's really great to have you on the show here and obviously I'm assuming we're going to keep in touch. We got the next space coming up that we're doing on DAOs. I'd certainly love to help out with whatever you got coming up in, in, in terms of helping people get the right information to make the right decisions and do responsible things inside this large crypto ecosystem. So if there's anything that I can help you on that front with or a city DAO can help you with on that front, reach out anytime. And yeah, any, any last thoughts here before we uh, we wrap up? Yeah, I mean, I think DAOs could have prevented a lot of these recent happenings with centralized companies like exchanges that just has the whole world for us upside down you know i've just like listening to the hearings just the things that you see you hear and these guys say like you know someone's on one side saying crypto should be banned because of this that's so far right so like it's very extreme and then other people just saying look like crypto and exchange and the one person actually being the authority for exchange so not, not being decentralized versus centralized those are all different things right crypto is like the software versus the person who's actually doing like whatever they're doing with these assets that's not the same right that's not crypto that's that person like doing things right so i actually see a lot of value that's one of the reasons i i wanted to do this stuff with dao because I see a lot of value. I see a crypto community is getting like better with DAOs. Now, of course, now that we have just Binance up there, it's almost like centralized once again, because it's just one and then they can do whatever they want, right? So 
there's no competitor, right? They're just the only one. So I definitely see value in DAOs. And I think for people listening, if they're just thinking about creating a DAO, from my little research that I've done, it looks like there's actually guides out there. And maybe you guys have it too. And then I think they should also just reach out, go on these spaces. I've actually looked at some of the spaces. There's not many spaces neither, but those are spaces that are out there. I'm pretty sure they can quickly get really good info. They can get close to a lot of you guys who are actually holding DAOs. So yeah, I mean, I, I think there's just definitely like a great future for DAOs. And then I think listeners should do that. Actually, like look into it, see if it makes sense for them. Not just to do it for as like a hip thing, but just actually if it makes sense. And then NFTs too, like if they see it's adding value, they should go for it. And then I have case studies, how I've sold out NFTs. And it's very comprehensive. Like people can actually read it, try things on their own. So it's at sold.nfts.io, S-O-L-D-N-F-T-S.io. And yeah, happy to hear from people. You know, if they reach out, Twitter, come on my spaces for sure. Well, I'll see you on the spaces. I'll definitely be there speaking. So anyone else listening, you know how to find the links to find Arvin. You can talk to him anytime. You can join the spaces, you check out his site, check out his incubator. And other than that, though, guys, we will see you. This is pretty much one of the last two recordings for end of the year. So we're going to kick off 2023 with a bang and do a big recap of what happened in 2022 for better or worse and all the great and all the downs and everything in between. So I hope you guys have a great week. We will see you next time on the City Doubt Pod. Please remember to leave a five-star review if you liked what you heard. Leave us a little uh, one-liner positive. Even something simple like, I liked the show. Click submit, right? If you just do that, then the Apple rankings on Apple Pods will, will really rank us a bit higher. And just giving us, subscribing to the show, just doing that, clicking one button right now actually makes a big difference. So I thank you for taking 10 seconds out of your time to click that subscribe button. We will see you next time. Arvin, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Guys.